and uh, it's a wonderful book, letter, story, testimony, truthful words about Jesus. The Gospels have been analyzed and studied and dissected and, and pulled about, but yet they remain firm and true, historically reliable, that archaeologists have found uh, the, uh, the, the places and uh, the buildings and the roads and, uh, and the, the things that are talked about, that historians declare these, these words to be really good historical documents, kind of the best attested in, in any history. And we have discovered among with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that they are words of life. They lead us to Jesus. They enable us to hear from God and find salvation and find the way of life. Isn't that great? So let's read from John chapter 6. We're up to verse 25 in the Bibles. New Testament, NIV is what we're reading. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, the, um, the story, if you missed last week, is uh, that uh, Jesus has crossed to the other side of the lake of, of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, and he's gathered on the mountainside with his disciples and a whole bunch of other people, 5,000 men and women, and then the rest as children. We don't know the total number, but 5,000 men at least. And they're gathered a long way, they have no food, and Jesus multiplies loaves and fish, bread and meat, and feeds all these people. It's amazing. And then after that, they are, the disciples are rowing to cross back across the lake, and they're, they're having a really difficult time of it. And Jesus walks on the water and meets them because they're struggling, and they get back to the other side, and this is where we pick up. So some amazing things have happened. It's, it's, a, it's like part two of this amazing story. When they had found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Jesus then declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. 
and this is the will of him who sent me, that I will, shall lose none of all that has been given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Wow. Wow. As you heard, I was at Soul Survivor last week, and um, I happened to be in Tesco. Um, one opportunity, and uh, it was full of people buying their camping things. And uh, I noticed one little child in Tesco uh, with the parent and the mum. And I don't know if you know what this is like when you have little children. I went not so long ago with uh, some family friends, and most of most of Tesco is really boring, apart from one particular aisle. Have you know? Do you know which aisle it is? Sweets aisle. And uh, wise parents push the trolley in a great wide arc around the sweet aisle. But no one wants to go down that uh, aisle of horrors for a parent. But this, uh, this poor mum had, had to go down this aisle and you could see the child kind of going, I want this, I want this, and all the kind of colours and the candy and the Haribo and, and everything else. And mum was doing her best to keep moving on and moving on without kind of deviating to the left or the right. Come on, come on, we'll pass through because they had to get back. All the child wanted was sweets. All the child wanted was the sugar rush. And as a child, I remember, that would have been fantastic. But mum's trolley 
wasn't laden with sweets. Mum's trolley was laden with good things like broccoli, <laughs> sprouts. No, it wasn't those sprouts, but uh, healthy foods. You see, Mum knew that actually to sustain the life and grow the life of the child, the little boy needed food that would sustain, food that would nourish, food that would bring healthy growth, not just the candy. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He didn't say he's caviar or confectionery or cake, but bread. The stuff of life. The stuff of sustenance. The the basic necessity. And says, all who come to me and eat will live. They will never be hungry. They will never be thirsty. This is Jesus. Not the optional extra, not the, the one we keep a wide berth, not the one just for treats, but Jesus, the very essence of life. Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, the one come from the Father. Jesus, the one, if we want to receive eternal life and live in the fullness of God now and into eternity, is the one we must meet and believe in journey with trust. Jesus, the bread of life. Comes in the context of the great backstory of, of the people of God. Do you remember back in, in Exodus, we find this in chapter 16, but the, the previous 15 verses are about God's amazing rescue plan where the people are in slavery for 400 years, bowed down and broken and dispossessed and, and oppressed. And God hears their cries and knows that they, they weren't destined for this life and sends a deliverer, sends Moses, who confronts Pharaoh and says, let my people go, they must be free, they were made for more than this. Be, be free is God's intention for his people. Find the fullness of life. And over a series of chapters, we see that God is truly God. God is able to rescue. God is able to save. God is able to set his people free from all that would ensnare them and bind them and trap them. This is God. And ultimately, Pharaoh realizes that it's just foolish to hold on to them and says they can go. They can go and worship God of Israel. And the people depart and they head out and uh, they're going towards the Red Sea. And, and Pharaoh changes his mind and pursues them. And, and God parts the waters. The people pass through And as Pharaoh and his armies try to capture them and pursue them, the waters crash down upon them. God rescues in his amazing grace, his amazing power. And they get through on the other side. And the first thing the people do in chapter 15 of Exodus, led by Moses and Miriam, is sing praise to God. For they recognize that he is their rescuer, their deliverer, their savior. The one who has has set them free, who's liberated them. They could not do it. But they said, praise be to God, our deliverer. He is our king. I don't know if you remember from last week, if you were here, in chapter 6. 
in verse 15 of John. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain to be by himself. Jesus is the king. But he's not the king in the manner they want. Chapter 16, they've crossed the Red Sea, they're into the desert, and suddenly the reality of living this new life strikes them. That in the desert there aren't fast food outlets, there's not lots of arable fields to tend, it's, it's a harsh place. And they cry out to God and say, what have you done? We had, at least we had food back there. What about now? God says through Moses, I will provide you food every day. It's called manna. A miraculous provision that would sustain them for each day upon day and ended up being 40 years. Manna from heaven. And the people of God fed on it and lived. The people of God fed on it and was sustained. The people of God recognized that God provided for them. Into John. Here's Jesus feeding 5,000 people in the, in the wilderness, in the desert. Remember the story? There were the people of God in the wilderness. And God came amongst them and provided for them. Jesus took bread and took fish and they were fed. But they didn't quite get it. That the sign, the sign of the bread was meant to lead them to trust in the provider, God. That Jesus on the mountainside, God amongst them, God made flesh, the living word, the bread of life amongst them, saying, here I am. But it's so kind of difficult. We so kind of miss the mark sometimes. We look at what God can give us, not necessarily to himself, trusting in him, rather in the benefits. The signs, the Gospel of John, Jesus says, are to lead us to him. The bread of life, the one who will feed us, who will nourish us. We will never be thirsty, never be hungry. Just last week at at Soul Survivor, we we had uh, the joy of being with a group you heard from Lydia. There was a lad with us, and he wasn't, he's not a believer. And uh, through the week, he'd come to the meetings and sort of watched. He came to sell a few times in the year, very skeptical, very kind of uh, argumentative, nice guy. And uh, in the last evening, we were in the, in the meeting, and as uh, the meeting was going on, there was a, a guy who was just uh, speaking, telling about what he'd seen God do, a guy that Uh, is used by God in amazing ways. And healing is kind of happening around him. And lots of of amazing signs of God. And so this guy, Robbie, invited up uh, some people who had bad backs, uh, particularly. There was lots of prayer for lots of things, but particularly as he was teaching about um, what God does and how God heals and how God is encouraging his church to do likewise. Um, Three people whose backs were really sore with sciatica and all sorts of things, were restored. And this lad was sitting there, and I heard him telling his mates, placebo effect, placebo effect. You know, and here's, here there was one lady who could not, couldn't bend more than this, and she was in, you could see her, um, 
her, her really pain on her face when she was just sort of saying, you know, this is where I'm at. And by uh, five minutes later, she was bending over. She was touching her hands on the floor. And, uh, you know, she was restored. She's brilliant. And the lad from, that I was with was going, placebo. Placebo. Anyway, it's really amazing. And then what we were encouraged to do was to pray for, for each other if there's anything that God needed, if they needed uh, any healing. And he was kind of like sitting there a bit disgruntled. Anyway, he, his mate, Tom, who's getting baptized, said, you've got a bad back, Callum. And Callum's like, yeah. Should we pray for you? And he's like, mm, all right then. So they stood up and they prayed for him for a little while just amongst the big tent, amongst all the other praying. And they said, how's your back now? And he said, it's a bit better. Still, it's quite sore. So they said, let's pray again. Prayed again. And then he had this curious look on his face because all the pain had gone. And this lad, he's not been able to sit cross-legged on the floor since he was six. So he said, is there anything you do now? His mate said to him, is there anything you do? And he said, okay, I I couldn't sit. Sat down, he could sit cross-legged on the floor. Uh, now he's kind of really, his, his mate Tom was praying for him, said, placebo effect, is it? Uh, <laughs> and he was sort of really, and I talked to him afterwards, and I said, what does it feel like? And he said, I can't describe it. He's really into science, he's just done his GCSEs, he said, I, I, he's pretty much lost for words. And I said to him, do you know, Jesus has done this, and he really wants you to be his follower. He really wants, Jesus wants you to commit your life to him. This is just a sign. He wants you to invite him into your life. He wants you as a 16-year-old boy who's just experienced a little bit of the power of God to trust your life to him for the rest of your days. And he looked at me like, I said, think about it. And he is. Pray for him, that he would choose Jesus. I tell you that story because kind of the people of God were, were, had seen Jesus multiply bread, take the fish and they'd been fed. They'd seen some of the miracles going on and they, yet they still ask for a sign. What will you do for us to convince us? Jesus said, believe. Amazing verse here, verse 28. They asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus' answer, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. This lad in the youth group, believe in Jesus, the one who has nourished you, the one who has sustained you, the one who has granted life again to you. Believe in him. Trust him. In him. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. I could see it in this lad's eyes. Astonished at what God had done but still couldn't quite make that step. But God is calling you if you're not a believer, you if you've become disenfranchised, not sure. He's calling you afresh. Trust in him. 
And the scandal of grace, the scandal of the cross, he's saying, well, how do I do that? What must I do? Have I got to come, become, you know, read the Bible and be able to quote a few verses uh, that I've memorized? Is it that you've got to look at, you know, kind of clock in on my prayer time and see how much I've prayed? Is it that I've got to kind of stop smoking or, or stop swearing? What must I do? The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You can't do anything apart from belief in Jesus, the one he has sent. We love to do things. We love to think we can make it, we can do it. If only I could uh, try harder. No. Believe. I think this young lad, I think this young lad is wondering as life holds, holds out, he's wondering, what does it mean to be a follower? I talked to him a little bit, and he was got lots of plans for life. And I think he knows that trusting his life to Jesus means everything. And I'm in some ways glad he just didn't make a, a knee-jerk reaction in the event where there was loud music and lights and God at work because I didn't want to force him or push him until he was sure that he knew that he was loved by God that Jesus is the sustainer the stuff of a life but I'm praying he'll make that choice soon Jesus alone satisfies the heart. You know, today our world is, is experimenting to the point of the extreme in every sort of way of saying, what will satisfy me? What will? Every form of materialism, physical or spiritual, every fix to fill that inner emptiness of the heart. And Jesus invites into today's world with wonderful relevance. He who comes to me will never go hungry, never go thirsty. It's amazing. What does the gospel mean in this passage? What is the destiny of everyone who believes, who receives, invites in, trusts their life to Jesus? Well, he says, we'll be raised up on the last day. Death has no fear for the believer. Do you know that? Death has no fear. We will be raised up. We're not going to be just scattered in, in atoms in a cosmic chaos of meaningless. We will be raised up with him. We'll be given eternal life. Not life, we sung it in the song, no more sorrows, no more tears, no more sickness, no more sin. We'll be raised up into a life that is just fantastic. Think of the best day in your life and multiply it and times it by eternity. We will see him face to face. God is good. What else is the life of a believer about? Restored relationship with God, knowing Jesus. He comes in to us 
Finds the, we find fullness of life again, knowing peace, knowing security, knowing joy, knowing purpose, knowing the plan of God. This is the life God brings. Everlasting life, conquering death. It's brilliant. And Jesus is teaching, saying he's amongst them. The Father has sent Jesus in that place in Capernaum with people who'd seen so many signs. He said, come, believe in me, trust me, feed on me. Let's pray together. All other breads all other things that we seek after will not fulfill us. They will be dissatisfying. <clears throat> Whatever you try to fulfill your life with and find purpose apart from Jesus does not have the power to save. The hunger and desire and the drive for more money, then I'll be happy. It's never enough. Maybe to become famous or infamous. People will know you and gain respect that way. Chasing after shadows. Some of the things are kind of funny. People live for the better house, the better garden, the better clothes. And yet the weeds grow and the, and the clothes go out of fashion. Oh, we've got to have more. Or maybe to delay and think, well, I'll get a better job. I'll push my children and achieve through them because I didn't. And they'll kind of, they'll make it if I work really hard. Or living life dependent on substances of alcohol. When's my next fix? When can I forget this painful life and just disappear for a few minutes, a few hours? That yearning to belong, that yearning to find wholeness in life yet distorted with pornography or illicit sex, 
consuming of food. And it doesn't ever satisfy. Brother and sister, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus alone satisfies the heart. Don't just settle for the science. Meet with the person. Just as Jesus spoke and was with those people, he's here right now by his spirit. If you want to begin a journey with Jesus, finding fullness of life, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Believe, trust in Jesus. Say sorry that you failed to do that up to this point, but now you choose life. You choose him. Jesus is the savior. And I know amongst us here, there are are many who believe and have have been baptized even, who have begun feasting on the sweets, not the substance. Or they've begun, or you've begun to, you've forgotten that Jesus is the bread of life and, and you've started to just kind of consume other stuff again and again and it's, it's disrupting your life. And there's a cycle of guilt and shame and and repentance and and coming back to God. And it's just this realization and being demoralized and and kind of thinking, if, if, if if people knew, what would they think of me? But I pray that you'd hear the voice of Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life. Come to him. Reaffirm that simple trust that God provides for you. He is the rescuer. We saw it, we know it with the people of God in Egypt. The people Jesus spoke with, some of them trusted him, saw it, knew it. And I can tell you, we know it too. For this gospel is real, life-changing. You know, Jesus says the far, he, he will bring, he will draw people to himself, those that the Father has given. You know, if you're here, the Father loves you. The Father is giving you this opportunity to trust in Jesus now. The Father is, 
It has all the resources of heaven in Jesus Christ. All authority is his, heaven and earth. Into the cycles of addiction and hopelessness. Into the yearning for meaning, truth. Into the fears that maybe just weigh upon you heavily. Even the ultimate fear of what happens when I die. He breaks those now in Jesus' name. Let's um, continue to worship. There's a song we'll sing, There is a Redeemer. It's a song that I pray you, you would sing and in your context, in your needs, in your hearing and response, there is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. That as you say, thank you, O oh my Father, for giving us your Son, you would encounter him afresh as you affirm your belief in what he has said as he meets with you. Let's stand together. Oh, oh, oh. 